You're listening to Surly Talk Sport. Brought to you by Sky Sport now. Oh, good. Back in the saddle again for another week. Surly Talk Sport, brought to you as always by the legends at Sky Sport. Now, if you're not already a customer, make sure you check them out. Sign yourself up and get access to all of Sky Sports channels, plus your ESPN, your pay-per-view events like the Fight for Life that's coming up. Highlight sports docos the works. If it's worth watching in the world of sport, then it is on Sky Sport now. So get around them. You can get a weekly, monthly, or annual pass. You can cancel at any time. And if you use the code Surly10 at checkout, you'll also get yourself a cheeky 10% discount. That's exclusive to Surly listeners. Don't say I don't do anything for you. And that'll make the annual price less than a dollar a day. That right there is unreal value. But what a weekend of sport we had last weekend. Warriors got the dub. The NBA playoffs, they got underway. Also bumped into Izzy at Shy Guy, as predicted. And he had both of his belts with him flexing there. So that was a heck of a night. And then at the grassroots level, the coat, they got the dub as well, which is always the perfect way to round out your sporting weekend. On this week's show, she's business as usual. We review and preview all things big in the world of sport NRL Super Rugby weekly wrap NBA Finals update some NFL and touch chat then we'll rip into the Q&A to finish her up should be a heck of a show so without further ado let's get into it and kick her off as we always do talking some rugby league NRL round seven and again we were dished up some unreal results, some big upset sides punching well above their weight and for me a couple of the competition front runners also suffering disappointing losses and showing that once again this year in this version of the competition any side can get up on the day. The Roosters in the storm really do personify this. The roller coaster continues for them. The Chooks losing to an understrength Sharky side who they've had the wood on in previous years as well. And many, including myself, I thought they would have gone to Shark Park and got the dub, but they just lost the plot discipline-wise. Three yellow cards, 14 penalties given away. The Bondi bruises in the middle. Waria Hargraves, Radley and Cheese, they were causing chaos and boy did it prove costly. Nico Hines and co just pulling the strings perfectly for the Sharks. Thought they'd get bullied through the middle but they showed up and made a real game of it. 22 points to 12. They got the better of their crosstown rivals. Then the other side I was surprised with the Melbourne Storm of course. Heading into this game Manly there'd been a bit of a leaky sieve on D. Back to back weeks that conceded more than 30 points and the gauntlet was certainly getting thrown down by many of their old boys and club legends who said in order for them to win they're certainly going to have to fix up that area of their game. They rock up, battle a brookie and only concede 8 points against a storm side that looked so good the week before in terrorising the roosters. They had Munster at the back which is where I thought he would be most dangerous wasn't to be though. Tell you what, Hamoli Olakuatu, I've never seen Justin Olam get rocked in a shot like that. That was rugby league at its purest form and well done to the Manly Gulls. A really important win for them and they also dished out a loss to the Warriors' next opponents. Another game that I highlighted, the Knights. Boy, did they push the Panthers, taking them all the way to Golden Point. Cometh the hour, cometh the chin. The Iceman, Nathan Cleary, he bangs a field goal to get the Cats the dub, but hats off to the lads from Newey, going with the defending champs for the full contest. And to me, again, linking it back to the Waz, it just validates that loss we had to them over there. They're not an easy side to beat when they play at home in Newcastle and I think it's promising signs for Knights fans certainly the best this team has looked 
over the last couple years. Of course, the other big game that all of you were most interested went down Saturday night, 5pm kickoff at Mount Smart. Already touched on it in the intro, but of course, our lads, the Warriors, got the dub, 22 points to 14 over the Cows. Peyton's men now struggling. Two wins from just seven clashes. They've gone from pre-season front runners to pushing the Tigers for the spoon in six things. So let's kick off the usual deep dive for the Warriors game. And it wasn't a pretty win, but these are the games you have to win if you want to be a finals footy side. It was far from a Mona Lisa, hang it in the Louvre type performance. But again, we showed an unreal desire and a want to win. And defensively in particular, it was a massive performance from our lads. I mentioned last week, we'd leaked over 30 points in consecutive weeks and we needed to bring back that lockdown defence we'd had in the opening few games also mentioned a stat that we conceded only 14 points in games where Tohu was playing and 32 when he wasn't well surprise surprise Tohu plays in this game we concede exactly 14 no coincidence there it's level 4 lockdown defensively whenever Skip laces up the boots no one crosses the border into our try line and it's beautiful stuff. To win a game with only 44% possession is not an easy thing to do, especially against a side with multiple attacking threats like the Cows. We finished the game with a 93% effective tackle rate, missing only 16 tackles compared to the Cows' 37. So get up the D, and it's great to see it back. A few highlighted player performances for me, and again, you could go through the whole side, but Jazz Tavanga, 47 tackles, Tackles for just the one miss. Another great example of that defensive shift. Chance Nickel Clockstart, again, set your watch to him. 181 run meters, five tackle breaks, safe as houses. Adam Fanor Blake, 141 run meters and a meaty. Boy, was it good to see us finally get a good start this season. It was the first game all year where we hadn't conceded the first try to score first. Adam would have been paying a shitload, but I feel like this gave our lads that massive lift we needed to kick on, and boy did the Mount Smart faithful erupt. Nothing gets the crowd fizzing more than a big fella dotting down under the stick. Speaking of big fellas dotting down, Joshy Curran, a few missed tackles from him, but another beauty of a meaty running off the shoulder of Sean, another solid shift for the mulleted menace. Marcelo Montoya, 4,000 fins to the opposition's chest. No doubt about it in my mind. I've said it before and I'll say it again. He has to be the strongest player, pound for pound, going round, in God's game. Stuff getting in the way of him defensively. He'll fend you. He'll run over the top of you. And turn you into a doormat. And that try assist he had for Ed Cossey. Was simply beautiful. SJ. Again, played the pharmacist role to perfection. Two try assists and a kicking game. That was great too, especially considering it was well known heading into this game. He would be our only last tackle option with no Tamaide Martin. 10 nudges for 317 metres and a forced dropout. Walker and Pompey, both of them only kicked once. It was clear he had the target on him, but the Prince... Still got the job done. And then finally, and this is a personal favourite player of mine, Tommy Arle, got through around 30-odd minutes, 26 tackles, zero misses, and he's now made 104 tackles this season with none miss. That's a crazy stat for a young lad still finding his way in the NRL, but boy, is his future massive. His leg speed is second to none. His PCMs are always right up there, and the fact he hasn't missed a tackle at all this season while raising the bat for total tackle numbers is a testament to the attitude this bloke plays with. Another key factor for me was the crowd. That's us, just under 24,000 bums on seats, 23,695 to be precise. I actually counted them all with my Lynx Africa clicker from back in the day as they walked in the gate. A sellout or bloody close to it, everyone in Warriors kit wrapped around their rigs, absolutely giving it to the cows and geeing up the boys whenever we needed a lift. Even the bunker was nice to us for once as well, which I like to think the crowd played a part in. This place truly is a fortress 
for us. I've been calling it that for years. So it's great to see the mainstream media jumping on as well. Even Billy Slater, Andrew Johns and Freddie Fittler, they were saying how hard of a place it is to come and win. So let's keep it that way, Warriors fans. It's on us to pack it out. What a place Mount Smart is. You truly can't beat it. So the dream start continues. We're sitting in third on the ladder and continuing to cause chaos throughout the league. Experts across the ditch, they're now eating their words for brekkie lunch and dinner. And I even saw a stat from Random Stats Guy. He said the Warriors 2002 minor premiership winning side also started the year 5-2. and two. So it's exciting times for fans. I'm a big believer in omenry. Maybe this is a sign of what is to come further down the track. And saying that though, we're about to go on a massive three-game stretch. Melbourne, of course, this week on Anzac Day. Then we have the Chooks back at the Fortress next Sunday. Let's pack that out. Five-day turnaround, but at least it's at Mount Smart. And then we burn a home game against the Panthers the week after for Magic Round. Cheers to the NRL. A massive reward for our sacrifices there. But three games in 11 days against the Storm Roosters and Panthers, including two trips across the Tasman. It's time to really ram it home now and show just how good we are. Two wins out of the three would be a massive result for this team. So moving on to this week, and of course all games are live on Sky Sport 4 and Sky Sport. Now Bunnies vs Panthers tonight and what should be a doozy. A 2021 grand final rematch and it's fair to say the stats aren't in the Bunnies' favour at home, but they actually haven't beaten the Panthers there since 2017, so that's hardly an advantage for them. In fact, the Panthers have won 10 out of the last 11 games between these two sides. So based off that, you'd have to think the Panthers, even without Liam Martin, will get the job done. I think Colin Matangi will be a massive loss for the Bunnies, so back the people's chin to guide them to another win. Eels vs Broncos tomorrow. Eels looked decent last week, albeit against a battered and bruised Bulldog side. Madison and Lane making a massive impact in the middle for Para, But this will be a big test for them. Broncos, they welcome back Flegler and Oates for this game. So I think it's going to be a beauty. Some mouth-watering matchups all across the park, but particularly in the forward pack, you've got guys like Madison, Lane, RCG and Junior Polo taking on the young hot boys from Brizzy and Carrigan, Ricky, Flegler and Payne in the house it's going to be a real bash fest through the middle third as blocker likes to call it and it should be a vintage game of nrl rugby league super saturday double header doggies taking on the sharkies and cowboys taking on the knights expecting Hines, the new south wales six for this year surely to put on a clinic and they should dispatch of the doggies fairly easily and then cowboys knights this will be an interesting game great to see kp Back for the boys from New. He's been named at six as well. So they're going to stick with Miller at the back. And they're obviously backing Kalen's noggin. To be able to withstand the rigours of defending in the front line. For the cows. Jason Talmalaho. He's out for four to six with a knee niggle. That he's been playing through all year. So Cotter goes into the locking role. And I think he could be a nice little fantasy buy there. For all those playing along at home. Getting his hand on the nut more often. A huge game for the cows. They're desperate for the win and playing at home it's not going to be easy though get up the nights and I'm going to tip them in to pull off the upset super Sunday Finns taking on the Titans and Tigers taking on Manly for the Finns Finn Diesel himself, big Felice Kafusi, he's finally back from that lengthy suspension. But in saying that, just as he comes back, another of Wayne's men goes on rugby league parole and Kenneth Bromwich, who has copped a ban of his own. So tough scenes there. For the Titans, Brimo, he's named on an extended Remu to return from a hamster niggle, so fingers crossed. He can get out there. Good to see Jojo Fafita get a trot on the wing too. Thought he was great for them last year. And this should be an entertaining game at Suncorp Stadium. I think there'll be a fair few points scored. But I'll be backing the Finns. Tigers vs Manly in Campbelltown. In truth, this could get ugly for Manly. Old Joshy Schust, he's back in the halves. Recovered from his baby cow strain. Rough on Cooper Johns, who I thought had actually been going great guns there. But sometimes that's the way the cookie crumbles. Tough being a professional footballer. Also good to see Ruben Garrick, the snack, back on the wing. He's recovered from concussion, a.k.a. 
brain cell depletion for the Tigers and it's a confirmed ACL injury unfortunately for Adam Dewey so they've said that'll rule them out for the next 12 months it's actually the third time he has torn his ACL on the same leg so horrible scenes for him one of the game's great young talents but in comes Jareem Buller to make his NRL debut at fullback and this kid's got massive raps on him he was actually born in Auckland too the young 21 year old so buller to you mate welcome to first grade and hopefully Tommy T and the boys from Manly take it easy on you then on Tuesday Anzac specials one of my favorite weekends of rugby league roosters versus the dogs for the charity shield and great to see angus Crichton and tilly toops come back for the bondi boys good to see the benders worn off for gus he's able to get back out there heck of a footballer and right in time to push for origin selection as well so no doubt freddie will be keeping a close eye on him also interesting to see robbo he's wielded the axe sammy walker i believe last week he missed eight tackles he gets the cut Joey Manu comes into the sixth jersey again. Another great buy for your fantasy. It's just his fourth game starting there. But shit, his stats are unreal. Four tries, four try assists, and 10 line breaks whenever he plays in the half. So look out, Dragons. No doubt Joey Mans will be looking to rip and tear. But then, of course, onto your feature game. The one you all tune in to hear me wax lyrical about. Warriors vs. Storm. 9pm kickoff Tuesday night. Bit late for a school night, but we make exemptions whenever it comes to the Waz. Live from Amy Park. And again... I can smell an upset in team news. Marata Niakore, he is back from suspension after that pretty rough hip drop call. We won't go there. Unfortunately, Wade Egan Park, he's cleared to return, but he gets the extra week off. Webby, he said he wants to give him a bit of extra time to bounce back. And overall, I think this is a great call from our coach. As much as I'd love to see him out there, I think it's for the good of this team long term. We need Egan as our starting hooker come the business end. So for the sake of one more game this is definitely the right call and we'll welcome him back instead against the Roosters back home in Webby we trust also still out big Mitchie Barnett and there were some rumors floating around that he is available now I think the NRL.com actually had him listed for round eight return I can speak hand on my heart wholeheartedly and say I caught up with Mitch Barnett in the TAB club rooms on the weekend I actually MC that lounge and it's bloody good fun so if you ever get offered tickets to it make sure you take them up to come hear me spin a few Joey Yanus, but he did say he's around four weeks away again said that the club wants to be cautious with his return smart you don't want to risk it rushing back the big fella and in the meantime guys like Jazz Dylan Walks doing an exceptional job so on we march also Lukey Met caught up with him pre-game as well so you're getting all the oil here he also said he's around three to four weeks away and he's chomping at the bit to get back into it said that American trip with Bill Knowles was a massive success in rehabbing his strained hamster so back in comes Marata the hitman and the rest of the 17 remains pretty much unchanged for the storm typical just our luck they get old Nick Meany and Nelson Asafa Solomona back the later of which will be a massive inclusion for their pack and saying that though he's been out for a lengthy layoff so hopefully there's a bit of rust on this old chassis and Adam and co can dominate through the middle personally I think this is a great time to be playing the storm or at least as good of time as any to head over to Melbourne and take on Melbourne sitting in seventh on the ladder four wins from their seven games and I mentioned before they've been a real roller coaster one week they look great the next they look ordinary so fingers crossed they dish up another performance of the ladder Nick Meany's return that'll make a difference for sure it allows Munster to move back to the six where he always looks menacing he simply wasn't involved in their attack last week but again I back us to lock him down and absorb everything the mad dog can throw particularly when the storm get close to our line that is where we defend our best also keen to see how young Ali Katoa goes up against his former side no doubt with a real point to prove taking on his old mates and I think he's been bloody good for Bellamy so far this year the keys to victory for me in this game we need to complete our sets at a high rate and limit the errors particularly 
in our own end. 77% completion rate against the cows last weekend. That won't get it done. And we'll have to be better than that. And saying that though, we have been better than that all year. I believe it was only our second game where we've gone under the 80% mark. So let's get back to that. Completing at a high rate and limiting the opportunities we give to the Storm. Defensively, like I mentioned, we'll need to be locked in on Munster and Co. And I think our edges in particular really need to step up. Obviously, Dallin and Pomps, that was a new combination that came into play at the last minute on the weekend. But they leaked a few points. And Cossie and Marcelo on the other side, they'll need to be on point as well. Because I think we know Bellamy will send a lot of traffic their way, particularly to young Koss after he had a tough night there at the office last year and saying that he's much better the player he was now compared to then and I trust Cossie's corner to deliver up the goods so to the storm I say send your kicks his way and we will back in our boy on attack we need to keep doing what we're doing with SJ pulling the strings you got Tohu and Walker ball playing at the line and then guys like Chans, Jazz and co just leaving everything out there on the paddock I think that Penrith shape is really starting to click for us now we've got our centers and outside sweeping around the back with that cut or short ball option off the back of our second rower. Marata's run that line really well for us in the past. We've seen Joshy Curran doing it with precision over the past couple of weeks. So hopefully again, we're firing on all cylinders. SJ brings his kicking game and we can rack up the points. Melbourne hasn't been a happy hunting ground for us of late. And it's fair to say many people have the opinion that we're actually a bogey side for the storm over there, which is far from the truth. We haven't bet them since 2015 and they've actually won won the last 13 straight clashes but in saying that I think we'll really rise to the occasion and the challenge this year we all know the 2023 edition of the Waz is a different beast so let's go over there we've got nothing to lose leave it all out there on Amy Park and pull off the dub I'm feeling confident for this one I can smell a victory in the air how good would it be to get one back rewrite the wrongs of last year's Anzac clash and pull out a famous victory Boy, will that get the bandwagon humming even more. Up the mighty was Tuesday night footy. Can't wait for it. A famous two points on the way. Another week in the books in the world of Super Rugby, of course. Round 8, she was another of these mid-season bye weeks where we only get treated to the four games, but boy did they deliver with some entertaining footy. The first one on the Friday night, and this was a real heartbreak for me, not only on the heartstrings, but also in the wallet, because I was backing Moana in a big way to get their first dub of the season. Unfortunately, though, despite playing in front of their home crowd a historic night over there in Apia, they still couldn't quite get the treats and it was a disappointing crowd for me to be fair I was expecting it to be drawer like scenes with people scrambling for bums on seats I believe they only got somewhere between four to six thousand so perhaps the locals weren't quite as fizzed as we thought they would be it was an entertaining clash though the full 80 minutes 10 tries scored in total and plenty of razzle on display again though errors just proving to be the Moana's Achilles heel and you can't let in 40 points that's leaky sieve stuff you're not gonna win games conceding that many luckily they've got the bye this week a bit of a chance to rest and recoup and hopefully they can come out and finish off the back end of the season with a hiss and a roar because lord knows do they deserve a win so get up the Moana. The second game on your Freaky Friday, the Brumbies beat a spirited drawer side over in Canberra. And then on your Saturday, we had a double header with the Tars putting the force away fairly easily. And the main game of the week in the top of the table clash, a mouthwatering New Zealand derby with the Chiefs continuing their unbeaten streak, making it seven wins on the trot with a 33-17 dub on the road over the swirls in a great display of Saturday afternoon footy and this was a true cliche game of two halves 17-8 the Canes led heading into Oranges after getting the one dog at Whanganui start and certainly looking the better of the two sides they had the Chiefs on the ropes but unfortunately they couldn't finish them off the second 40 she was all one way traffic for the mana men winning the half 25 points to nil and in the end 
cruising to an easy dub and she wasn't all sunshine and rainbows for the visiting sides they did cop two yellow cards and their discipline really did cost them but their defense was great and their ability to absorb pressure and then quickly turn it into attack is extremely impressive to watch they can make you pay for mistakes at the drop of a hat so many attacking threats and they certainly look the best side in the competition at the moment standouts for me for the Canes I thought Artie and Duplessis Karifi together in that loose forward duo they got through a shit ton of work combining for 37 tackles with zero misses and three turnovers one as well Artie he also led the game for defenders beaten with Gilbert in hand bet four blokes so he was at his usual menacing best while trucking the nut for the Chiefs the visitors D-Mac he was unreal again he's the form first five for me by a mile and don't get me wrong I will still start Richie as my all black 10 when it comes to later in the season but I don't think you can deny that Damien has been the guy so far in Super Rugby and he finished this game with a personal haul of 18 points kicking conversions penalties and scoring a media as well the true trifecta I also thought Cortez Ratama added some great spark off the Remu and it just goes to show the depth of this side again I harp on about it all the time but when you can bring a bloke like Brad Weber off roll on Cortez you truly don't lose a lot and then in the pack I thought Sammy Kane was good as was Peter Gus and Takiaho he did some great mahi as always especially when trucking the nuts. So on to this week we march. Round 9. The final round of those bye week rounds. So just the four games again with the Canes, Moana, Brumbies and Reds all getting the week off. Luckily though, still plenty of New Zealand sides in action. So they're certainly worth tuning in for. First up, on your Friday, Chiefs vs drawing coach Clayton McMillan. He's just re-signed another three-year gig and in doing so he's celebrated by resting a few rigs and giving those all-black boys a couple weeks off. The back line, she's still stacked though. You've got Ratama, Bryn Gatland, Rameka Poihepe and the virus, Rona in the midfield. Then on the wings, Etene Nanai Satoru and Sean Shooter-Stevenson at the back, Damian McKenzie. Boy, is that stacked. And interesting to see old D-Mac out there. Perhaps he's not considered in that All Blacks rest policy. If so, that's huge for the Chiefs. The fact that they could name him every week gives them a good shot of winning games. And I'm excited to see him back in the 15 jersey with Gatlin pulling the strings. He will do a great job. It's in the Ford pack where they lose the most bodies, but still pretty strong. Takiaho, Retallick and Peter Gus, the three regular starters that will still lay up great to see as well Josh Lord of course young all black lock returning from an ACL injury via the way of the Remu it's probably a bit late for him to push his claims for that all black jersey in my humble opinion but he's an extremely exciting young footy player so it's great to see him back out on the paddock following that game double header on your Friday Rebels taking on the Cruisers and Razor Ray he gets to welcome back a few bodies as well with some key names returning from injury post the bye. Sammy Whitelock he's back he'll join Scott Barrett in that locking duo. Joe Moody, Cody Taylor and Tamaiti Williams form that front row we have been familiar with. Sad blow to see Georgie Bauer ruled out for the year with an ACL. That's him and Sevu now for the Crusaders so tough scenes in the backs Drummond, Mwanga they will pull the strings with precision. David Harvilly and Braden Enor make up a formidable midfield combo and then also Jack Goodhue coming in off the Remu in Jersey 22. That is great stuff. Also, speaking of great stuff, good to see. They've rolled out the four-captaincy plan this week. Perhaps old Madge Maguire from the West Tigers last year, he's had a bit of say there and rolled out the leadership group. Scotty Barrett, he gets the captain's band, but Cody Taylor, David Harvilly, and Goodhue, all named as vice, three of the best. You love to see it and interested to see how this plays out. Hopefully for us Blues and the rest of New Zealand rugby, if you're not based in Christchurch, you'll be hoping it has similar results to that of the Tigers. Overall though, expecting the Cruisers to go over there and be too strong. The Rebels, they're not easy to beat at home, but this is a quality Crusaders side that's really starting to hit their straps now despite that massive casualty ward sitting in fourth. And I think they'll really look to push 
post that by Super Saturday double header again two Kiwi teams involved too Blues versus the Tars at home the Fortress the Garden of Eden 705 kickoff great news for New Zealand rugby as well Rico Ioane he's re-signed until the end of 2027 he's staying at the Blues in Auckland as well so that is a great signature fingers crossed Geordie Barrett is the next one that signs with New Zealand rugby be great to lock him in long term of course the Blues side not named at time of recording unfortunately but fingers crossed RTS is back in the mix there was some promising images of him training prior to the bye looked great back out there on the paddock it should be either this week or maybe even next that he's able to lace it up and trot back onto the Garden of Eden he would be a massive inclusion for the boys a welcome boost but I expect them to be too strong for the Tars and hopefully we can turn it on with a dominant display I feel like a lot of the rugby public they're starting to underestimate the Blues and while she has been a patchy start to the season this is still the majority of the same side that almost went all the way last year perhaps the Warriors have absorbed some of that Auckland fizz and they're dominating the headlines instead but with the likes of Bodie Barrett, Finlay Christie, Hoskins Atutu, Mark Talee Caleb Clark there's still so much strike power and razzle in this side it'll be great to see us turn it on 13 plus them and make a statement the Blues are still here to play so get up lads we will not lose and then your final game for the Super Rugby this round Force taking on the Landers she's a 9 o'clock kickoff which I believe is about a 3pm kickoff over there in Perth so conditions are going to be hot she's going to be sweltering for the Southerners they're certainly not used to that but interested to see how the Landers approach this game this is one they would have circled in their rugby union calendar is hopefully a dub they only played them a couple weeks back down in the South Island and she was a tight tussle it was high scoring as well blokes like Hugh Renton playing some great code at the moment and they've also been boosted by the return of your regular starters like Marino Makaili Tu'u Shannon Frizzell and Aaron Smith so she's almost all hands on deck for Clark Dermody and co and no doubt they will be looking to pull off a big road win they've actually got the Tars in Sydney next week as well so bit of an Aussie trip for the boys no doubt a couple steam ups and that will bring them closer together so next week we get treated to a full round of footy and the Chiefs are taking on the Crusaders as well that'll be a great clash but for now I'm back in the Kiwi sides to do the clean sweep this weekend and she should be a successful round of code Kicking off the weekly wrap with a bit of an NBA playoff update because of course she was upsets galore in the first games of these series in particular so thought I'd give you a bit of a lay of the land and then also my thoughts on how things should play out from here. Heat versus Bucks and the Heat lead this one 1-0 after stealing a game on the road in Milwaukee. Unfortunately for them Tyler Hero he requires hand surgery and he's going to be out for four to six weeks. That's a massive blow for me he's been their second or third best player all year behind Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo they lose a lot of scoring there Kyle Lowry and co really gonna have to step up but the main talking point from that first game was the MVP candidate Giannis Atatankumbo leaving early doors with a back injury good news for Buck fans though his MRI it's come back clear and he should be good to go today they're saying it's just a pain tolerance injury you'd have to think quarter zone city jab him up and he will lace them up they really need to win this game before heading back to Miami you can't afford to go down 0-2 on a series it then means you have to win four out of the last five games just to progress number one side in the Eastern Conference I thought they'd do this series easy so hats off to Miami playoff Butler and co for making a real go of it Lakers Memphis and gee she was nervous times for Lakers fans as well in game one with AD grasping his arm at one point saying he couldn't feel it or move it luckily she was just a stinger I tell you what this bloke would struggle on the footy field but he brushed it off in a major way and then came back with a huge performance especially on the defensive end seven blocks and three steals to lock down the rim and make her a tough night for Memphis but it was a huge performance from Austin Reeves and Rui Hachimura that got the Lake Show home in the end with Reeves finishing on 23 and Rui 
on 29. Together they combined for 23 of the Lakers, 32 fourth quarter points. That is crazy stuff. And the Lakers actually had four scorers with 20 or more points for the first time in a playoff game since Kareem, Byron Scott, James Worthy and Magic Johnson did it back in 1988. So history-breaking night on the road. And if you factor in the 19 from D'Angelo Russell as well, the Lakers had five players combined for 114 of their 128 points. So a great distribution of the scoring load, a true team effort LeBron coming in fourth on the Lakers box score you don't see that often worrying signs for Memphis they're now sweating on the health of Ja Morant again his scans came back good but he said he's dealing with a 10 out of 10 on the pain scale their lack of playoff experience was really on show here and stat alert to further highlight that LeBron he's logged more than twice as many minutes in the NBA playoffs as the entire Grizzlies roster combined he's racked up 11,035 the Grizzlies 5 1,176. On a positive note, I thought Jaron Jackson Jr. was great. He put up his second highest ever playoff score with 31. A couple of blocks as well for this year's NBA Defensive Player of the Year. Game two of that series goes down today. So interesting to see how that one plays out. Kings versus Warriors, and geez, light the beam. Kings defend home court and head to Golden State up 2-0 after back-to-back massive wins at home. This is where the series gets interesting for me. The Kings, they finished with the best away record in the Western Conference, winning 25 of their 41 games on the road. But on the other side, the ledger, the Warriors, they have the third best home record in the NBA this year. 33 wins from 41 games at Chase Centre. That place is the fortress. Boy, Decides name the Warriors love playing at home. Extremely hard to go there and get the dub. So now the ball is literally in the Kings court. For me, the Kings bench, this has been the key. Malik Monk, he's dropped 50 points across the opening two games. And then in game two, Davion Mitchell, he's nicknamed off night because he's a menace on the defensive end. He was hounding Curry all game, battling over screens, getting knocked around like a pinball, but still fighting relentlessly to get back onto his man, aware of the threat Curry possesses, making sure she was a tough night. The Draymond and Sabonis incident, Geez, that was some WWE stuff. Obviously, both picked up technicals. And man, did they over-dramatize it. Interesting to see, though. Draymond, he's been suspended for Game 3. That is a massive blow. And you've got to start to wonder, of course, he's off contract at the end of this year. Perhaps some of his teammates and the Warriors front office, they could be running thin on their tolerance and getting sick of his shit. This is not his first incident of the year. Of course, he punched Jordan Poole in the preseason. Season. They need him for game three, so this really makes it interesting and the Kings will be licking their lips at the prospect of the Warriors being down one of their star players. So Curry goes down 0-2 in a playoff series for the first time in his career. It's pretty crazy considering this is his 27th series in total. A phenomenal record and I'm expecting them to bounce back at some stage and at least pick up one win on, at home. Really keen to see the Kings win this series though. That would be one of the great fairy tale stories in the NBA. Knicks versus Six, and the Sixers win ugly in game two yesterday. The Nets have made it clear they're going to double or sometimes triple team Joel Embiid and try limit his effectiveness. So it's on guys like Maxi and Co to knock down their shots and they should win easily. Luckily he did just that. Get your brooms out. I think this is going to be 4-0. and oh, Celtics Hawks, this is also a sweep series for me. Celtics just way too good. Too many guard options to lock up Trey Young and then in Tatum and Jalen Brown. They have one of the best duos in the competition. Knicks versus Cavs. Huge win for the Knicks first up on the road, but yesterday she was a different story with a fight up Cavs side unleashing on them to make it one all. Donovan was great as always, played a bit of a different role in this game though. Just the 17 points, of course, we all know he's an elite scorer. It was his assist game that elevated the Cavs yesterday though. 13 dimes in total, allowing Garland and Levert in particular to catch fire. The Knicks had no answers for it. It's going to be interesting to see how this series plays out now with the games going back to New York this for me still has that game six game seven potential 
Certainly one to watch. Clippers versus Suns. Kawhi, Russ and co. got it done on the road in game one, 115 to 110. Kawhi had a 38-point performance, and again, he dropped over 30 yesterday in their loss. He's now scored over 30 points in more than half of his playoff games. Clutch claw. He loves the big stage. I mentioned Russ. He was unreal in that first game defensively, locking up Booker and Co. Second game, he bought his shooting performance and had another strong shift. But in the end, the Suns were just too good. And you have to wonder if maybe they've just kicked her up another gear and will fire on from here. Clippers are going to miss Paul George. I'm certain of that. But you'd still back them to win one of the two at home and at least make this series go back to Phoenix. And last series, Nuggets vs Wolves, probably not even worth talking about. The first game, she was a whitewash. Game two goes down today. Can't see this playing out any other way than 4-0. Joker and co. Just way too good. So as mentioned, today's games, Lakers vs Grizzlies, that tips off at 11.30. Heat vs Bucks at 1pm. And then your ESPN game of the day, T-Wolves taking on the Nuggets at 2 o'clock. Tomorrow we have the two games on ESPN for your Friday basketball fix. Sixers vs Nets at 11.30. And then the big one, Cavs vs Waz at 2pm. Bums on seat stuff. Jumping over to the NFL, the other American sport, and there was some big contract news breaking earlier in the week. Jalen Hurts, star quarterback, he signed with the Eagles for another five years in a deal worth $255 million. US. That's 51 million a season with 180 million of that money guaranteed. It's a heck of a payday for the bloke and fair to say he deserves it as well. In fact, only Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray have received more guaranteed money in an NFL contract, but his annual salary of 51 million makes this the highest contract in NFL history. And it was well deserved too. As mentioned, he came in off the back of a breakout season where he's led Philly to a 14-1 record in games he started, had over 3,700 passing yards, 760 rushing yards and 35 TDs. He was named an MVP finalist, won the NFC and went all the way to the Super Bowl. He ran in three TDs himself, threw for another and totaled over 300 passing yards. He was arguably the best player on the paddock in the losing side and definitely showed He's got what it takes to perform on the game's biggest stage. So Hurts, he's locked in for the next five in Philly. The Eagles get their guy, and it's exciting times for Eagles fans. Still no deal for Lamar Jackson, of course, the other big QB who's seeking a contract extension, but no doubt something will happen for him shortly in the days to come. A bit of touch chat to finish up the weekly wrap with the Trans-Tasman Touch Series getting underway tomorrow between New Zealand and Australia with a cheeky little third team, Japan, thrown in the mixer for good measure. Excited for these games, that men's series in particular. Got a few mates in the team and also a mate who is the head coach. In fact, he is the coach in Northcote. So on a personal level, she's exciting, but it's also just exciting for the touch community as well. The Trans-Tasman series, that of course is the main go-to rivalry in the world of touch. We haven't had her for a little while due to COVID, so it's great to see her back. In terms of the New Zealand versus Aussie games, they go down on your Friday, Saturday and Sunday night. She's a three game series with kickoff or tap off being at the same time every night. You got your mixed at seven, your women's at eight and then the open men's at nine. I've been told in good faith all of these three touch black sides are going over there with real confidence backing themselves to get the chocolates on the Goldie and then I'm sure it'll kick off some great scenes. Luckily for us at home, the games, they're being televised on a Sky Sport pop-up channel, Channel 600. So get around the touch plaques and tune in as they look to scoop, whack and long ball their way to victory over their old rivals. Up the touch plaques, razzle on and razzle strong lads and get the job done. Onto the Q&A to finish her up, and as usual, the questions came flying through, so really appreciate your support. Let's rip into them and hit the old nail on the head. First one comes through from Travis Moody, and he says, seven minutes left in the game, you're 35 metres out, 15 metres in from touch, down by five, do you take the points 
all the line out. And look, this is a great question there, Travis. And to be fair, a lot of people's opinions on this sort of scenario have really changed over the last couple years. These days, you see teams really go for it. They roll the dice and look to get that knockout try scoring blow. In terms of me, look, I'm a first five and a goal kicker. So a deep inside, I would be wanting to point for the sticks. I think there's still merit in it. You go down by two, then you play for the penalty. Seven minutes left that's still plenty of time and often when teams get within that two-point margin they get the old squeaky bum and they often give away a cheap penalty and you can have the chance to win the game with a successful nudge through the stick so me personally I'd take the shot mount the scoreboard pressure and go from there it also depends a bit on the game situation if you're dominating them you've got the upper hand you're winning the arm wrestle and momentum's in your favor then I'm certainly not opposed to kicking for touch and going for the meaty, the old knockout blow, then you convert it up by two and happy days. Your second question, bakery options, what's your go-to? Pie, scone, roll, sammy, saucy roll, and if so, which flavours of each? That is a great question, and this really did get me thinking. Often when I go to the local bakery, I either go with one or two scenarios. I go the sammy and a saucy roll, or I just go the pie straight up by itself. Sammy and saucy roll, that gives you your savoury fix as well. And I do love a good chicken, avocado and mayo sandwich just to take the edge off. In terms of my pie option, normally I just go the straight up mince and cheese, especially when I'm hungover. Just sits a bit easier on the stomach. If I am feeling dangerous though, haven't had a couple Waitakere daiquiris and I'm walking through those doors fresh. The old local bakery in Fenor pie she does a good chicken brie and camembert normally that's a bit sweet the old double deluxe cheeses but when you're feeling fresh it goes down a treat and tastes bloody good so those are normally my go-to bakery options in terms of the old scone there not opposed to a scone and a coffee for breakfast at the local cafe double cheese baby please that is always the way to go but again Great question. Next up, and it's more of a statement than a question, and it comes through from the official Captain Storm, and he says, Melbourne, to beat the Warriors, and two fire emojis. Yeah, look, appreciate your opinion there, J-Dog. Hate to say it, but you're horribly wrong. I think we're going to go over there and put in a dominant display, and it's going to be a tough night at the office. For your boys, hope you're going well at the Tigers, mate. Certainly miss you around the coat, and no doubt I'll catch up with you soon. Storm will lose up the Waz 13 plus. Your next one comes through from Xavier, and he says, Could we see Tamare Martin move back to fullback, CK to the centres if Walker continues to play well? in the halves and that's a great question and one that many people have been asking and I often find myself pondering what is our best 17 when everyone is fully fit as well one thing I will say though Webby's been extremely clear throughout the whole preseason and the regular season that Chance is our fullback he brought him here as our one so I don't think he would like to move around this roster me personally I think Chance in the centres would be great you mentioned Tamaide there but also we got a factor in Lukey Metcalf he'll be back in three to four weeks you could chuck Lukey at fullback or move him to the six as well to be honest I'd probably play him at the back keep Tamaide at the six and then move Walker and Jazz back to the bench for me of course Walker's been going great guns at the six thought he played really well on the weekend but pairing him up with his other ball bash brother the impact they bring us off the Rimu they can change the game at the drop of a hat the energy the momentum swing is massive so I like to keep them as our one-two punch off the bench Chans into the centers Lukey met at the back Tamare and Sean in the house Jeez, that is mouth-watering. But again, I think Webby will stick with his normal plan and we won't see too many changes in Webby, we trust. But still a great question there, Xavier. And I certainly agree with you. Next one comes through from Paddy Barlow and he says, Predictions for the Trans-Tasman Touch Comp. Also, you're a betting man. Would the odds go up or down at the TAB if the conductor said yes to the black jersey? I hear he's lethal 
on the five meter scoop. And look, I've already kind of given my thoughts, but I have no doubt in my mind that the Touch Blacks are going to win all three series. A clean sweep. I'm a true patriotic fan, so they will get the job done. In terms of the betting man and the odds, look, absolutely, I'm a betting man. Love a flutter, sometimes to my own detriment, but I think Aussie almost wouldn't even show up for this series if the conductor was at the helm. Of course, the famous tale goes that he turned down the black singlet earlier in his career to focus on rugby and try and become a big-bodied first five. The old cream donut diet doesn't translate too well onto the touch field the bloke's got a butt like a station wagon a heck of a boot on him so it's fair to say his touch black days could well be behind him but he was a menace loves a scoop plenty of rares and I think if he was in the mixer the men's side would be a dollar oh one favorites as close as you could get to a shoo-in and it would almost be unfair I literally don't think the Australian sides would bother the bloke can do it all long balls wackies goosey of doom plus he'll just pull the strings with precision impossible to rattle and he loves running it straight settles galore what a menace he would be so hope you're well Barlow believe you're over in the Goldie as well so perhaps you're getting along to chew the ears off Rahul as he stands on the sideline trying to coach that would be the ultimate menace move so I certainly expect you to do that and keep us posted with how you're tracking horse good luck for the footy season your last one comes through from Nick Caddick and he says what are your plans for the future and that's a great question quite a philosophical one as well so appreciate you getting the brain ticking look to be fair loving everything that I'm doing at the moment my podcast with Sky Sport now and the TAB the Warriors podcast one take really love that chatting to the boys and getting in and around the club also loving jumping on George FM and just talking all things sport in general so hopefully more of the same in the future keen to keep growing everything and would also love the opportunity to get involved in some game day stuff whether that be pre-game shows commentary the works basically any chance to talk sport full time I will absolutely chuck everything I've got at it because that is certainly the dream so appreciate your support there Nick I know you're a keen listener of both the potty and George FM and shout out to everyone that tunes in every week as well wouldn't be possible without you and I truly appreciate it well, that's us for another week at Surly Talk Sports. Actually off to shoot a potty with Andrew McFadden. He's our next guest on the One Take Warriors podcast. So keep your eyes out for that. Should be dropping over the next couple days. Remember, Surly Talk's punting. That'll go live tomorrow as well. Full of tips to help you get up on the punt this weekend. Shout out as always to the legends at Sky Sport now. Really appreciate their support. All the sport I've talked about on today's show. It's all available on there to watch live or on demand. So make sure you check them out. You truly won't regret it. And I'll catch you back here same time, same place next weekend to review and preview the week's sporting action. Chew the fat and hopefully dissect a couple famous wins. Up the Waz, up the Blues, up the Coat, and up the Touch Blacks. How good's a Thursday, Big Fizz?